Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up, everybody? It's the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. I'm your host, James Coe, joined alongside by Alex Gelhar, behind the glass, actually, the whiz kid from Wisconsin, uh, helping us produce the show today. MG Marcus Grant in the house. And Adam Rank joining us yet again, uh, rocking a very OC, uh, oversized, flat-brim Chicago Bears hat. This is the size of my head. No, it is not. Seven and five eight. That is incorrect, Dave. You have a melon. As, as a, a fellow large... large-headed man, I can attest to it. It's terrible. It's, it's awful. It is. I almost had to quit baseball because one, they just one couldn't size fits all does not fit all. <laughs> True story. In Pee Wee football in seventh grade, they had to get me an adult helmet because none of the kids. <laughs> I, I, I weighed. I weighed about hundred and thirty pounds in high school, about the same height. I look like a bobblehead. <laughs> Listen, I could barely keep my my helmet up off my shoulder pads. While that that may be true, that the might fact be, that might be true. Uh, that, not the, asking the fact permission of the matter for is that to be true. Uh, your OC style oversized flat brim. First of all, it's not OC. I think. It's oh, it's more, ve- oh, it's very. It's OC. very nine five one. Okay, the fact that you have all the um, the stickers on there as well. Uh, first of all, props for that. Should you not? Well, are you supposed to take them off? You you generally should take the top one off. I I like keeping the hologram sticker on the bottom. Is it you know where to? Anyone who do, anyone who takes the hologram off the bottom of the stick, uh, the, oh the bottom gosh. of that, that's not that's not. I going. feel like as a as someone with a large head, you wouldn't want the sticker that tells everybody what size it is on there. Oh no, you <laughs> you, you want them to know. All right. Anyway, in case they're buying you a hat, for listen. Christmas. You're, you're yeah, listening to NFL you know. Fantasy Live podcast. By the way, uh, we're it's a it's about getting to that time, man. You got to be drafting. You got to be setting up your leagues right now. I know a lot of commissioners out there are trying to frantically set up draft times right now, which is always a hilarious email chain to which I never reply and only complain about <laughs> later. You're that guy. I am so that. Hey, I need those dates that you can't draft. I don't reply, Jack. And then it's like, oh, hey, we're going to do it on Monday. And I'm like, yeah, I can't do it on Monday. Can't do it on Monday. I'm that dude. Anyways, um, I don't know what you're doing, but you got to sign, sign up right now. NFL.com/slash/fantasy. You can do free mock drafts, which are a great feature on NFL.com. And then on top of that, of course, set up your league, set up your team, uh, do all that good stuff. We've got tons of research material on there as well. I know a lot of folks are start, really starting to ramp up their research, which is great. Um, somewhere on the site, NFL.com slash fantasy, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but uh, we do a full team preview 
of every single team from a fantasy perspective. All 32 teams covered. draft kit. It's in the draft kit. Actually, we're building a page that has all of them a little easier to find in the draft kit. And why don't we just say we'll give it a slash fantasy team previews, Marcus? We sure, whip, that works. That up. You know what? We'll you know, you know what's great about this podcast? The powers that be can decide these things. I was going to say it sounds like Alex is Charlie from Charlie's Angels. Is <laughs> <laughs> that who I am now because I'm behind the glass? It sounds right. Distance from that sounds right. like the pilot interrupting. I just want to let you guys know. Look at the whiz. The whiz kid just dropping an audible right now. And okay, so what? Give, give me that. Give me that link again. It's going to be NFL.com slash fantasy team previews plural. All we'll, uh, we'll whip it up after the show and uh, get it ready for you guys probably tomorrow. I like it. All 32 NFL teams are covered. And by the way, uh, Marcus Grant and Adam Rank were with me uh, when we did these. We knocked out all 32 all in a row. That was a marathon session. Yeah, we were there it, for four hours. They called it the Fantasy Two-A-Days, but it was oh. really Fantasy 32-A-Day. A-Day. <laughs> A-Day. Just Literally. one day. All right, let's I'm, get I'm, – I'm bringing that up to the competition committee. The competition We cannot do that all in one day ever <laughs> again. So don't judge us if you see us wearing the same suits. That's uh, For all 32 right, of them. That's really – That was my – I think that was my biggest concern. Right. Yeah, I know you wanted you wanted to do a tie change halfway through, and we wouldn't let you. I did want to support some Duval colors. Okay, when we're talking about the Jaguars. Right. I would switch to orange and blue when talking okay. about the Bears. Okay, but but you didn't have a chance. I didn't know. Yeah. Didn't have a right. didn't have an opportunity. Let's hit the top headlines today. The camera highlights in the world of sports. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. The whistles go. Woo! I like turtles. We continue to follow breaking news. Don't watch the news. You know, instead of the top headlines today, I mean, we had so many preseason games that the preseason games themselves will be the top headlines for today. And oh, by the way, we have, of course, a, a new new news. Intro. Yeah, props to you for uh, throwing that thing together. Thanks. Which I got to say, we should peel back the curtain because for those that don't know, Co cooked up the Daily Daps drop. He okay. cooked up that one as well. He has a history in radio. I do. Do you want to tell every the listeners what your nickname was? Because it's one of my favorite, like, hidden James Code gems. Oh, this is going to be great. I was the Korean cowboy because I worked in radio, and anyone who uh, first gets into the radio biz, you know, unless you're Adam Rankin, you're a bigwig, uh, you've got to start small market. I started in uh, Montana in a little place called Bishop, uh, California, just south of Mammoth, California as well. And uh, part of my job duties included spinning country music records it was really funny i didn't know anything about country music at the time but i became a fan thus i became the uh the korean cowboy love it in those places but no it was uh it was how was it the first couple of weeks when you had to sell the next song oh i didn't sell jack squat i mean look coming up george Strait, (laughs) bringing it home I took these jobs because they also offered me sports opportunities, mm. uh, and that's really what it was. But uh, but no, it's uh, yeah, no, it was a good time. It was an interesting time in my life for sure. When I was getting paid eighteen thousand, uh, <laughs> I was always nice. a week, right? Uh, no, balling on a budget. Yeah, that would be uh, a negative. Anyways, uh, let's get to the preseason games here, and we're going to start uh, New England uh, versus Green Bay. Uh, we'll start with Devonte Adams. You know. You know, not terribly productive, obviously. Three catches, 17 yards. He did have seven targets. But, you know, takeaways here uh, from watching Devontae Adams play, and we'll start with the Wiz. Uh, you know, what I found interesting was that Aaron Rodgers actually targeted him, I think, seven times right. in this game. However, I don't think there's any reason to panic or start overdrafting him. Aaron Rodgers has gone on the record before and said in the preseason in practice he loves to just throw it at the younger guys because that way he knows what they'll do when the spotlight is on and it's crunch time. So he knows what's going to happen if he throws to Jordy Nelson. He knows what's going to happen if he throws to Randall Cobb. 
So if he can, he tries to feed it to these guys to see how they're going to respond. And Adam said a so-so response on the field. Yeah, I would say, I mean, seven targets, three catches, not great. But as you said, it kind of looked like Aaron Rodgers was uh, was forcing the issue there. Yeah. Uh, Jonas Gray. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, he just broke off an awesome 55-yard touchdown run. <laughs> we know last year um, that uh, he had a 200-yard game. Uh, now you see this 55-yard touchdown. Uh, we know that, um, uh, that the starting running back for the Patriots is going to be gone for a few games here. What do we make of the backfield, Marcus? Uh, I'm not falling for the banana and tailpipe again. It's just <laughs> I'm not doing it. Like I watched it and I watched Jonas Gray rumble and okay. he looked great. He did and, look and, great. Like, I'm not buying it. One, I mean, he's 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 a bigger back, obviously, but he's yeah. kind of a plodding back. He's not a you know a guy who's going to eat up a ton of yards on the ground. Uh, and then once LeGarrette Blunt comes back from his suspension, right? Gray goes back to the bench again. I mean, hopefully he got a better alarm clock, as um, you know, French, franchise Matt Franciscovich said this earlier today. Maybe he got a better alarm clock. Maybe he'll wake up. Maybe he won't miss practice. But I'm not. I'm not buying it. I'm not going for this again. This is sometimes why I advise people not to watch the preseason. It's for your own good because otherwise you get too caught up in the moment. You see a performance like that, and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna draft him in the eighth round or something cuckoo like that. But don't do it. I mean. Bill Belichick, he still hates your fantasy team. He Hashtag still, Bellatrix. They are lying in wait. He right. still doesn't want you to succeed. He still wants to ruin everything, and he will. And you know what? There's going to be one week where Jonas Gray, maybe it'll be against the Colts again, where he has a monster week. Not a lot of people will be playing him, and then everybody will pick him up off the waiver wire, and you'll never hear from him again. Uh, it's, it's not like – I remember Anthony Dixon maybe uh, four or five maybe, – maybe four seasons ago in the preseason. I think he led the preseason for the, um, for the Niners in rushing, and he had quite a few – uh, really nice highlights, and back then he was going by Anthony Dixon, not Booby Dixon. Mm-hmm. But um, and I remember getting so excited for him <laughs> and drafting this dude somewhere in like the tenth or eleventh round. But the bottom line is this: though. the the reason I see it as a little bit different, and Alex, you can you know jump in on this, but the reason I see it as a little bit different is we saw production from Jonas Gray last year, albeit mo- largely in one game, but it was live action. And that, to me, is kind of maybe the difference uh, between uh, a you know a regular preseason game where you know random guys shine out, and what Jonas Gray did in that preseason game against Green Bay. Well, I mean, the one long touchdown run was kind of on a busted play by the Packers. They just left a gaping hole and they didn't cover it properly. But I think it's going to be what it does is it makes us just keep an eye on Jonas Gray the rest of the preseason. There you go. Because if he is getting a lot more of those first-team reps and he is making good plays, it wasn't just this run. He had a couple other nice runs. I agree. Runs. But um, if he is making those plays, it might be interesting to add because LeGarrette Blunt coming back from a knee sprain, uh, he's supposed to be good. He has that week one suspension, so a little cushion in his recovery. He's a big guy. It might not be easy for him to, to just... come back from that as, he, as much as other people. So Jonas Gray could potentially, not eighth round like Rank said, maybe. I don't Seventh? Know. <laughs> yes. I'm gonna say. How about how about thirteenth? Let's push it up to the third. Thirteenth? No. How dare you? Still probably still no, probably round. Thirteenth round. Jonas Gray. Thirteenth like, round. Never, not not worth it. I mean, honestly, you no. have fun with that. <laughs> I I honestly don't believe. I, I'm not right. bothering. But all just right. keep an eye on it. All right, all right. It's, it's worth monitoring. Uh, New Orleans taking on Baltimore. Josh Hill, uh, three catches. 40 yards. Uh, he's kind of been a buzzy name in, in the offseason. Uh, Rank, I don't know if you got a chance to see Josh Hill in action, but um, where should – I guess what's your, uh, you know, analysis of, of that uh, situation in New Orleans? You know, people – No Jimmy Graham. I know. I People are just expecting that 
it, the next tight end is just going to come up and, and be amazing like right. Jimmy Graham, but he, he just doesn't have that skill set. And really, you look at all the targets that are going to be missing from that team, and Kenny mm-hmm. Stills, in addition to Jimmy Graham, have left the ball club. I look at uh, C.J. Spiller as being somebody who's going to pick up a lot of those opportunities. Okay. Brandon Cooks should have a huge uh, have a huge uh, impact this right. season. And somebody like Josh Hill, he'll be fine. There'll be some games. You know, he was snaking some touchdowns last year. I expect his production to be about just the same. Somebody who you cannot really trust week in and week out. When he scores, it'll be great because we have some fodder for that helps no one. Hey, there you go. Don't go out. I would, uh, you know, I I just would be, I would would preach patience and caution. Um, Any takeaways for you, Marcus Grant? Uh, for Josh Hill, uh, you know, like, or anything, anyone on the Saints. Well, I I still like CJ Spiller. I know he's banged up, you yeah, know, and he's limited right Surprise. now. Surprise! I you know, but it, one, it's it was a knee scope. It's a knee scope. It's not. It's a lot of not a serious. That. It's not like he's getting reconstructive surgery. He, it's gonna be. They're gonna clean some stuff up. He'll be out for a few weeks. He'll be back. I'm not worried about him. Okay, Josh Hill. You know, I know that before training camp started, everybody talked about how Josh Hill might just slide in and be this big sleeper target or whatever, but. Sean Payton was Sean Payton throwing put, he put some cold, everywhere. But he also kind of threw some cold <laughs> water on it when he basically said that, you know what, Josh Hill isn't yeah. going to step into the Jimmy Graham role. Newsflash, Josh Hill isn't Jimmy Graham. Everybody. Wow, what? And so I think, you know, if you if you get Josh Hill expecting him to be some sort of sleeper tight end, I think you're going to be sorely disappointed when he posts, like, you know, 350 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Can I give a sleeper name out here? <clears throat> How about a guy by the name of Brandon Coleman? Uh, a very, I don't know if we'd venture him. Uh, a very um, – Simple sounding name, uh, nondescript, but uh, he is simpler than Josh Helm. Uh, maybe, yeah, I guess so. Brandon Coleman, sure. You know who? You, you know who's got the best name on that team? Shantavis Jones. Oh yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, but uh, Brandon Coleman is a guy I believe out of Rutgers, um, undrafted guy. But uh, boy, you look at the physical characteristics of this guy. I believe he's six six, uh, two hundred twenty five pounds. He ran a four five six forty. Pretty good for a guy that size. I kind of see him. Uh, I kind of see him emerging, uh, possibly as a solid number two wide receiver uh, next to Brandon Cooks. Uh, I, I know. Uh, the, I, I know Alex Gelhar is a little bit uh, skeptical of that, I, and I know that you're also a little bit high on. Um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm dropping his name right now. Who's this? Uh, the second wide receiver next to Brandon Cooks uh, right now is going to be Marcus Colston. Marcus Nick, Colston. Yeah, Nick, I'm not Fuck like that high on him. I was going to say I like Brandon Coleman too. Somebody's got to <laughs> somebody's got to emerge in this offense, um, and they can't like the thing is I just I, I like Cooks. He's a fantastic player, but sure. I just think it's hard. It's people are like overreacting to the fact that they're going to feed wide receiver one level production to a guy who is not a prototypical wide receiver one. But that's why I like this guy, Brandon Coleman. Six, yeah. six, he's, he's a big... 6'6", 225, a out big, of Rutgers. big body wide receiver. Uh, it seems to me like he's going to be able to fit that role quite nicely. Anyways, we move on. Uh, Crockett Gilmore, uh, starting for Baltimore there. Two catches, 17 yards. Again, n- nothing to write home about. And, and also, uh, another guy that, that we're kind of keeping our eye on here, uh, Lorenzo Taliaferro, low T. Uh, 12 rushes, 36 yards, and a touchdown. Is he the clear-cut RB2 for uh, for Baltimore, Marcus? Uh, I don't know if he's clear-cut. I mean, he's the guy who has that spot right now. But I mean, He looks still, like a touchdown vulture to me. That's certainly possible. I mean, there's still a few weeks of the preseason left to go, and, and I think, you know, there's going to be some competition there. I, I don't know right now that 
either he or Buck Allen. I know how much you love Buck Allen. Nah, I love um, Buck Allen. I, I, I want to love Buck because he's an SC guy, but sure. I don't know that either one of those guys is going to have any real value. I think they're both going to be waiver wire guys in the event that uh, Justin Forsett can't fulfill his duties. Maybe you get one of those guys, but I don't know that I would take a draft pick on him. Speaking of great names, Javoris Buck Allen is definitely solid in the mix. I feel that's why you were so hyper on him. <laughs> Buck Allen. Like, how can you not like some? It sounds like a like if you had a Simpsons character yeah, sure. who's a football player. This is Buck Allen. Right. Although that does sound, you know, now that you say, if you, if I saw Buck Allen on Simpsons, I would think he plays quarterback for some reason. Interesting. You know? Maybe. Mm. Are you feeling me on that no, one? I'm, I'm really not. As a guy with, <laughs> as a guy with a two-syllable name, James Coe, I, I have a lot of name envy. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I like Lorenzo Taliaferro. I'm really, I'm clapping that out. James Coe. Oh, that's right. It's James uh, well, Cohn. Instead, right. instead of playing patty right. cake over here, I was just checking with Franchise, <laughs> who's also behind the glass. It is two uh, syllables. By the way, he Franchise writes a, a great article every week called Committee Meetings, okay. break down, breaking down the backfield committees and what we learn each week. And uh, he noted in this game, Telly Farrow got seven of the nine carries the team had in the red zone. Ooh. So uh, Justin Forsett owners could have a potential vulture uh, on our hands. Oh. Or that's just another thing to put – to keep in mind, as you're looking at Talia Farrow and Forsett as drafts approach. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because, you know, there a big reason we like Justin Forsett is because Mark Tressman's down there now. You, you figure, especially in a PPR league, he's going to get, I mean, oh, my gosh, he's going to get a lot of work. But in standard leagues, you know, running back, every position is very touchdown dependent. Um, so if it's a situation where, where Lorenzo Talia Farrow is getting a lot of work inside and you figure Buck Allen might get some work inside as well, uh, whew. It's a little bit scary for for Justin Forsett owners. I don't. I, I get that. I think that only really hurts them in having those monster games where you're yeah. like, oh yeah, Forsett got me 19 points. Got it. But you figure like most weeks, let's say he runs for 60 yards, mm-hmm. has 50 yards receiving. Okay. 11 it's points from your running back. It's and bad. it's I'm I, in. It's not like panic button yet because Forsett did only carry like two or three times. Right. So it, that's nothing to say that that's if he would, if he was there he would he might have gotten one or two. Very of those, good point. But they do seems that they like Telly Fair at the goal. I think they I think they know what they have with Forsett. Yeah, I agree. So they're like, look, right. why, why are we going to, you know. Yeah, you're probably right. All right. All right, I like it. Uh, Miami at Chicago. Ryan Tannehill, 6-7, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Boy, he looked good. I mean, really. I, I, I was impressed um, by the performance of Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Alex, what were your takeaways? I, I was impressed as well. Lots of times, like, you don't want to rate too highly into quarterback play in the preseason because sure. it's vanilla defenses and things like that. But there were some small things, and I saw some screen grabs floating around on Twitter, too, and it verified what I saw with my eyes, he was very accurate. Like, even in tight coverage, he right. was placing the ball where he needed to. And it was just fun to see that offense that has so many new weapons just march right down the field. Because uh, Lamar Miller had a good run. Jarvis Landry got targeted. Jordan Cameron didn't have any. Greg Jennings actually looked good. That guy's turning into, like, a Frank Gore, just an ageless wonder that can come in and uh, make a little noise. But it'll be even better when Kenny Stills gets back, too. <laughs> I liked what I saw, though. Um, yeah, Kenny, are you laughing at Kenny it's Stills? All, it's all dependent on Kenny Stills. I didn't say it's dependent. It's going to be better. Don't, it all Stills. comes down to Stills. <laughs> Kenny Stills was a much improved wide receiver and route runner last year. Uh, my, I know I know this is on uh, through the airwaves, and you're not visually seeing yes. this, but I'm waving my hands at Alex. Yes. In a dismissive, dismissive right. Bobby Knight kind of like, Man. Get out of here. 
And I'm rolling my eyes at his it, hand wave. The thing about Ryan Tannehill that, that you got to like is that obviously he's still developing as a quarterback. We're talking about a guy who played wide receiver in college, for good, goodness sakes. Don't and, do that. I want that to catch on Don't. like the Jimmy Graham played it basketball. It is. I feel like it is. Oh, I it's, it's, it's there. I want it to be it's one of those there. things. I feel like it's on the level. It's pa- it's it's closing on Antonio no, Gates. It's no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. No, I think it's closer. Come on. It's, it's closer to the Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick went, went to Harvard. Harvard. Right. Yeah. It's getting close to yeah. that levels. But look, he's still learning the position. He was a Top 10 fantasy quarterback last year. He's got some wheels, and he's got a lot of weapons, and I like his offensive coordinator as well. It seems like Bill Lazor's really utilizing this guy's skill set. So, boy, you know, I don't know. Uh, I know I'm taking quarterback early. I get that. I've made that known. But Ryan Tannehill, if you're looking for a great value in the middle part of your draft, I love Ryan Tannehill's upside. Yeah. Same here. Me too. And the running ability. I know. He just kind of glossed over it. That's that's understated. Because he was a wide receiver. <laughs> Here's the, I, I've, I've been big on Ryan Tannehill for a couple months now. Okay. I, like, I like Lamar Miller. I like Jarvis Landry. But now, because everybody likes all these guys, like I have uh, a feeling that it's going to be one overdrafted. of those things. Not, not, not even overdrafted, but it's just like you're going to love them and you're going to draft them, and then they're going to be just spectacularly mediocre all season long. And you'll be like, like eh. you know, it's, it's, I'm so afraid of that. But I'm still going to draft all those guys. <laughs> I'm still going to target all of them. It's funny there because go. there's so many of those quarterbacks, and Matt Ryan falls into this category sure. where the guys finish – Numbers five through ten. We're like, hey, this guy ranked eighth amongst fantasy. You're like, okay, yeah. And then at the end of the season, you're like, I don't remember one game where he like, carried my team yeah. to a victory. Like he scored. Remember that game? Like I remember Michael Vick the year that he crushed it. He had that Monday night game against the Eagles. No, excuse me, against the Redskins. Uh huh. Am I getting this right? Yeah, you got it. Yeah, you're right. He had like six Which, touchdowns. He threw like yeah, he threw four. for like 800 points yeah. in one game. Like I remember stuff like that with Andrew Luck and Aaron Rodgers. You're like, I remember specific games where he was carrying me. I feel like it's a little bit of a Monday morning quarterback pun intended to sit there and be like, well, I can wait, I I can wait on a quarterback because there's these guys who fit. like you can say that. With every position, like I get you, like look, you you drafted Adrian Peterson, Monty Ball, uh-huh. and Lashawn McCoy in the first round last year. Yeah, you're all done. of them, not not necessarily McCoy, but the other two complete busts. Right, but you're like, and I found so you can find, like if you know what you're doing, you'll find guys at every position. And, and, and you know, whenever I say take quarterback early, that is not advice uh, for beginner drafters. For sure, if you're just starting, if you've been playing fantasy one, two, three years. Don't listen to my advice. <laughs> I don't agree. Listen because, to your advice. No, because, look, if you want to do that, the, the, the most surefire way to avoid L's um, on a week-to-week basis is definitely draft running back early. I get that. But if you want to kind of master your draft, if you want to be a little bit of an artist uh, drafting your fantasy team. An artiste. An artiste. You take that quarterback early, and then you try to figure out upside guys later. That's what I'm doing. But – um. Look, I, I want to. Like, it's the same thing with like going Gronk early. Uh, by the way, yeah. uh, by the, uh, you know, I got to disagree with you with the the, the Ryan Tannehill thing because last year, yes, Adam Ryan, because last year I do remember he put up a thirty point game. Am I wrong on this? No, I think it was when he played Denver, if I'm not mistaken. He put up a thirty point game, and we're talking about a guy who's very unheralded. Uh, he's a. I really think that he may have a few 25, 30 point games. No, I, in him no, this no, 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 no. I, I think he will be in that class. Okay. But I think for the – but you were talking about quarterback – or Marcus was talking about quarterbacks that you really, really – I, I think Matt Stafford is another example of that. Way, too, where you're way like, overdrafted. Where you're just kind of like, yeah, oh, I'm fine just drafting 
right. Stafford here and I'll be good. No. Uh, but no, it's right. I agree with that. All right, we'll uh, I, I, wanna, I do want to talk about Chicago's Eddie Royal, though, uh, mostly because I am so dismissive of, of Eddie Royal. And yet I know Alex Gelhar's got a, a decent projection for this guy. Uh, give me a stats projection, Alex Gelhar, on Eddie Royal and why you like him, especially given the Kevin White uh, injury. Well, I think Kevin White really bumps him up. Uh, last time he was with Cutler, he had 91 catches, like 980 yards, five touchdowns. This is what Denver. Was as, that was as a rookie when he was right. in Denver. Uh, they paid him a bunch of money. He's going to fit into the slot. And with, with Kevin White out now, um, Royal will probably line up on the outside when they go too wide as well. He's shifty. He can work in that intermediate route. Cutler, actually, he's got a cannon arm, but he throws a lot of passes still close to the line of scrimmage. And I think Eddie Royal could could push 1,000 yards this year and maybe pick up, you know, Anywhere from five to seven scores. So I'm going to go with the I'm going to go with the Sean Burke's finest here, Adam Rank. Uh, look, they've got a new coaching staff there. Mark Tressman's now out, so their past crazy offense is is kind of going by the wayside. Now that John Fox steps in, mm-hmm. what should we expect uh, for that Chicago offense? Yeah, if you think about Eddie Royal in his first game as a pro, he had nine receptions for 146 yards and one touchdown. And since everything you can just de- be dependent on is single sample size, you project <laughs> that over an entire season. That's what 154 catches for you know <laughs> for 2,000 yards and 16 touch. So I think that's a reasonable expectation because he's done it once. But yeah, I, I still, you know what though, looking at what Adam Gase was able to do with the slot position when he was in Denver with Wes Welker and Emmanuel Sanders and Emmanuel Sanders. Jay Cutler has never really had a slot receiver in the Chicago Bears offense because he's always had these big, tall guys to go after. He doesn't have Brandon Marshall haranguing him for targets. I feel like Eddie Royal can be one of those guys who gets between 80 to 100 receptions, over 1,000 yards. He'll have eight to nine touchdowns. There'll be some weeks where he's absolutely fantastic, some weeks where he's a little disappointment, maybe not quite as polarizing as he was with the Chargers last year. Okay. A little bit more stable, but not gonna. He's not gonna be one of those guys who's gonna be in a very elite guy. But if you get him, you know, if you're drafting him late as a wide receiver three or even a you know a yeah. low end wide, wide, wide receiver two, wide receiver. I, I so very comfortable. I, I've been the guy here who has not been big on Eddie Royal just because I have seen him. You know, did you not hear the productions? I just I said? did. I totally heard them. <laughs> one hundred and fifty. You know, and I, cause, cause I've watched him gobble up targets to my favorite receiver, my favorite fantasy receiver in September, and then when I start to jump on board, he just vanishes altogether. So I went back and looked at his numbers because he's never had a thousand yard year, but his best year arguably was his rookie season. Right. 91 catches, 980 yards, five touchdowns with the Denver Broncos. Guess who was his quarterback? Jay Cutler. That's correct. Uh, he's so, not, but he's not getting that. I'm saying. He's not going to see that many targets. He's not going to see that many catches. Yeah, why is he not going to see that many no, targets? He's not. Well, because, because he's, I mean, they already have a slot receiver. It's not like they lost a slot receiver and he slides in there. He's going to be the guy already. I think Marquise Wilson is the guy who jumps in there and starts to see some more of those targets on the outside. If he can stay healthy, Wilson I'm talking about. Okay. He's he's an interesting option, but still, when you look at the Bears' receiving core, I I still go it. It's Alshon, Forte, one and two. Mm-hmm. Martellus Bennett's still in the mix. Right, Royals in the mix. Wilson is he's far down that list. Uh, by the way, just real quick, he's uh, interesting. Uh, let, let me just go around the horn here, uh, Wiz. Wh- where do you take uh, Eddie Royal in in a typical fantasy draft, non PPR? Uh, ten round ten, maybe Grant? off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, I was going to say nine at the earliest, nine, but yeah. ten is yeah. probably legit. 
Frank. Can, yep. that, that's in your wide receiver three range. And also the last two years with him only getting, like I think I said last podcast, 67% of the snaps, he was the 30th highest wide receiver in 2014 and the 35th highest wide receiver in 2013. So seeing the increased snaps, increased targets, I think the writing's on the wall for him to improve that production and become a legit wide receiver three. Yeah, I'm going to pass. I'm, I, I mean, I'm gonna, <laughs> at, at round 10, I'm just going to pass. You know what why? Because at? no, it, it's not so much that who am I looking at versus – well, here, this is what it is. When I get to round 10, all I'm thinking about are sleeper guys. And I know what Eddie Royal is going to get me. He's not going to get me a thousand yards. He's did not going to get me. Hear, did you not hear? He's the not going to. He's not going to get me a thousand yards. He's not going to get me seven or eight touchdowns. He's just not that guy. He's just not that guy. Um, and, and to me, I'll just pass. I'll, I'll look for upside guys at the running back position because I'm crazy and I'm taking quarterback way, way too early. Uh, Kevin White. Uh, I know he's got that shin surgery coming up, or maybe it's already happened. I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but he's going to be gone for a while. The coaching staff even indicated that he may be gone for the entire season. By the way, can I just mention? It seems like to me, like shouldn't shouldn't this be happening to Oakland? Shouldn't Oakland have picked up Kevin White, <laughs> and, and then and then he's got this shin, shin surgery and he's out for for the. It seems so weird that that Amari Cooper's really turned out to be this awesome looks like this awesome player in the preseason right now, and then Kevin White, he's got the. I really expected Oakland. Um, for this uh, for for an injury like this to happen. Are you saying the Bears are the new Raiders? Are they? How dare you? Are they? How? <laughs> dare are they though? No. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk about the New York Jets uh, taking on the Detroit Lions. Chris Ivory six rushes, twenty five yards. Um, Gelhar, you had a good write up uh, on uh, Chris Ivory, and I know you've taken up for him as well. Another player like Eddie Royal, I've been in- I have amazingly this table for dismissive him of uh, is is Chris Ivory. Tell me why people should get excited about Chris Ivory. Well, he is. I think he's the clear cut starting running back on that offense now. We saw it in the preseason. We saw it last year. He got all the first team carries, and rumors are flying out of Florham Park that he. He could be even more involved in the passing game now. So where he typically lost value because he was more of a two-down running back, he yeah. could see more receptions, and he could just stay on the field more. I mean, they've got the guys behind them. Are Zach Stacy like got traded for a seventh-round pick. Stephen Ridley's coming off a torn ACL, and Bilal Powell. Speaking of people who we know who they are, Bilal Powell is right. not going to make a huge difference in this offense. So it's Chris Ivory all the way, and they're going to want to run the ball, and they're going to be successful doing it with Ivory. Rank. <sighs> He's starting to wear on me. Like, I'm really starting to warm up to the idea just because of the volume. But, again, if you're a terrible team and you're not getting a lot of opportunities to run because your team's behind so much, that really hurts his value. All right, Amir Abdullah, I know – oh, my goodness. I, the, the hype train has left the station. Um, we just saw Amir Abdullah go in our we, – we have a League of Leagues fantasy draft where we have to do a supplemental draft, and we it's an auction-style draft. What did, what did Amir go for? He went for like a well, million dollars. I bought him for Damashek, and he went for $64. S- $64. So that's the same price, though, because Todd Gurley also went for $64. And, and, let, me, and let me tell you about uh, the, the League of Leagues. Uh, it's a three-sport – uh, fantasy league where where you got to play all three and whoever has the most points after two seasons of all three sports we're talking baseball basketball football wins the entire league all right uh, every off season we do a supplemental draft you have a hundred dollars for two years <laughs> you have a hundred dollars Amir Abdullah went for sixty seven Todd Gurley went for sixty four sixty four uh, Todd Gurley went for how does that work sixty four well we don't know. and Melvin Gordon went for sixty four sixty three how does that even work so you don't have money to bid on free agents during the season though? no no during the regular season it's you just standard pick up waiver yeah yeah but but yeah, it, but the off this is for off season supplement whatever anyway so the, 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 the bottom line is 
inside fan, and, and the guys who work this league, League of Leagues, I mean, these guys are truly uh, insiders when it comes to fantasy. I mean, we're talking about the, the cream of the crop uh, in terms of uh, fantasy guys here. Uh, and they really valued Amir Abdullah extremely high. Uh, Joyke Bell is just, he's just falling to the wayside. Forget about Joyke Bell. Amir Abdullah, uh, six runs, or seven runs rather, 67 yards. And he looked amazing. He looked great. Yeah. I was going to say, there's two reasons they, why I bid so much. Sorry to cut you off, Mark. Because no. I was, Sheck had me tap in and, and bid for him on this team. And I pushed it up that high was because, one, Sheck had terrible running. His running backs were busted. <laughs> he, he had Le'Veon Bell <laughs> not playing for the first couple oh, weeks. Terrible. No, great, great. I'm saying, he had, listen, he had Le'Veon Bell, Dree Archer, and Bishop Sankey. Those are his no, running backs. None of them are going oh. to start week one. That's right, David Cobb. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so, so he really needed a running back. And with when Gurley and. Uh, Melvin Gordon went that high. I had to buy in and Abdullah because he did look amazing. Look and now amazing. the cat's out of the bag. I don't think like I like Joyke Bell. He's been a great player for them for a long time. I think they're going to be hard pressed to start handing the ball off to Joyke Bell when they have Agreed. somebody as dynamic as Amir Abdullah waiting in the backfield. Um, what round are you taking him? Because you know, I think when the before the preseason, before we actually got to see him go, I I, I was seeing him constantly or consistently rather going in the ninth or later. Uh, I think. Those heady days. Man. Oh, boy. Where, where is he going now? Heady days of a week ago? Yeah. Uh, where is he going now in your mind, Alex? Well, uh, I think if you want him now, you're going to have to reach as high as potentially the fourth round. I would agree. Fifth round. Yep. I would agree with that. Like in the celebrity league that Fab's host, I was there helping him out, and Michelle Beadle, at somewhat of my urging because she wanted to make a surprise pick, took him in the sixth round, and the room The room exploded. Scott Porter wanted to get up and fight Gelhoff. Yeah, I think, I think, so I think my chances of being friends with Scott Porter went out the window. Because <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to draft him? Yes. He was going to oh, he's, he's MJD. Also, well, he's from Nebraska. He's Nebraska he's he was going to take, uh, his, he was gonna take his Denver Broncos wide receiver gloves <laughs> and beat you about the head. <laughs> Neck with it. All right, let's just say you're 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 in a league, uh, an experts league. Amir Abdul. Uh, again, some of these rookies and unknown guys are going to go later in, in you know general public leagues. I get that, but let's say you're in a very competitive league. Marcus Grant. Let's say a fourth round's coming around near the end of the. Let's say you're near the back half of the first, uh, fourth round. There, um, Amir Abdullah in that spot, late fourth. I mean, it sounds crazy to be taking him that high, but. I don't know now. Does it, though? I, that's what I'm saying. And, I don't know now. Look, this is the guy who, what, two weeks ago right. on the same podcast was right. still riding for Joyke Bell. But now I look around and I, you know, I You can't I read, do it. Now. I see it's the impossible. hype. I watch the tape and I'm like, how do I not? How do you not take Amir Abdullah wasn't sitting there for you in the big, fourth round? It wasn't just his one big no, run. It was no, just, it like, was I had a shorter one. He had like a four-yard run where he just made some guy whiff in, like, in between the tackles. What's interesting is that you heard some comparisons, some slight comparisons to Barry Sanders, and, and and just in terms of his ability to make people miss and his ability to just stop and cut on a dime, Yeah, there's a lot of similarities there. Um, and you think about that offense, too. I mean, what are you going to do? You're really going to stack the box against, uh, no. against Calvin Johnson? No. And, and Golden Tate? No. Golden Tate? No, you're not going to do that. So uh, Amir Abdul is going to be looking at, you know, you know, six, seven-man boxes. Man, no, fourth which, round. I, I, I think I'd, I think I'd pull the trigger in the fourth round. Yeah, I, I feel comfortable about with it as well. And I will say our uh, our great colleagues at Around the NFL – uh, and a write-up about after they watched Amir Abdullah talked about how this offense, that it could be like the missing piece to really help that offense because there's always been so much talent, like get to the next level. Uh, I don't want to get too crazy, but Amir Abdullah is just making me feel a little bit better about 
some other people on that supporting cast, like Golden Tate and Stafford and everything like uh, that. Jim Caldwell, as a head coach, has been very conservative with his offensive play calling as well. So I could actually see them utilizing the running back a lot more. Uh, it's a big reason why I wasn't high on Stafford last year and, and, and Calvin Johnson. I know Calvin Johnson got you know dinged up, but Jim Caldwell is so conservative with his play calling too. So you could kind of see them feeding uh, the running back position a heck of a lot more. I see Adam Rank uh, shaking his head. No, I agree. I, I agree with all that. And if you're one of those people who is a zero RB guy who's not going to go running back in the first two rounds, mm-hmm. all the mocks that I'm doing, I just earmark them for the fourth round. Yeah, like yeah. it's not even it's not even a consideration for me so much. And it's really one of those things. The only ones I'm trying to keep the the pieces of the puzzle moving. I, I can't take them as my RB one. Right. So if I'm doing a Gronkowski in the first round, okay. I'm trying to load up my other two receivers. I'm I'm favoring somebody like Frank Gore, but I think by the time the end of training camp comes, I'll easily talk myself into making Amir Abdullah my number one run. <laughs> <laughs> I have no problem with it. I, I, I just I'm looking into the future like you as well. I feel the same way, like because I'm thinking about doing zero RB in a coming upcoming draft, and I'm like, man, do I want to take him as my RB one? I'm like, why, why not? Why not? It, you know, and it's so fun to just go against convention, you know, because last right. year. People got a little squirrely on Monty Ball and everything, and all they were doing with Monty Ball is they were looking at a situation. situation. They were looking at a situation like, look, Peyton Manning's running back is always good, and you're like, well, if you watch that, and we talked about this at great length, James, is like, okay, well, if you're going to do that, why not take the running back who's better? (laughs) C.J. Anderson was clearly better in the preseason, and this is a situation this year, it's not like people are hyper because it's like, you got to get the Lions running back. It's because you're watching him. And then the people who don't watch college football are going back and watching some of the tape from him at Lincoln right. and saying, wow, this guy is pretty amazing. Yep. So I, I, it's funny. Like, I want to put this in a time capsule, which I guess what podcasts are. And it, it, three weeks from now, we'll be talking about, like, remember when you could have gotten near Abdullah in the fourth round? <laughs> Like those, those were crazy days. What a steal! All right, um, let's talk about uh, Washington taking on Cleveland here. Uh, not, nope, not much to write home about. <laughs> nope, uh, there's no healthy tight ends in in Washington. Jordan Reed moves up a little bit because there's just no, there's just no, um, no competition. I, I like Logan him. Paulson uh, on the IR. Niles Paul. His now name is Logan Paulson. Right. Name is Logan. Well, I was gonna say Jordan Reed. Like he's basically going undrafted right now, partly because Niles Paul is getting pushed up and stuff, but. Jordan Reed is an athletic freight, always always hurt. He's hurt right now. But if you're waiting on a tight end or taking one in the 15th round, I don't mind. Grab Jordan Reed. Yeah. Why the heck not? Or you could take Boyce to Men, Chris Cooley, High Harmony as well, Boy. who's also oh, 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 flirting oh. with uh, coming out of retirement for some reason. Are you really going to take a tight end who's been retired for a Why? couple of years? Yeah, so is Herschel Walker. No, like, but, dude, are you, but are you drafting Cooley. Herschel Walker? No. Uh, Marcus, you're missing the point here. I had a good joke. That's it. I did. Oh, no, I appreciate that. <laughs> Um, Dallas taking on San Diego. Oh, actually, you know what? Let, let me go back to Cleveland here. Um, the backfield. Uh, let, let's talk about Isaiah Crowell, Terrence. I know we've talked about this at length. I don't know why. Look, Cleveland's got a great uh, offensive line. Uh, I don't know how great they are at run blocking, but at least I know the talent is there on the offensive line. For some reason, and, and, and Adam, you bring up a great point. Who's the most talented guy in the backfield? I'm not 100% sure it's the Crow. Duke Johnson. <laughs> Look, I know we haven't seen Duke Johnson yet, but for some reason, I just get a feeling that Duke Johnson, in the back half of this year, is going to emerge out of that uh, offensive line and actually be a difference maker. And maybe, 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 maybe uh, take over a full-time starting gig 
uh, for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I don't know how crazy that is. I, I'm not really basing that on, on too, too much other than I've seen him run and uh, in college, albeit, but I've also seen Isaiah Crowell run, and I've also seen Terrence West run. I kind of think uh, Duke Johnson's got a chance to really emerge and, and be that starting running back. ACC so running back. There's a chance. <laughs> there is a chance. There is quite a bit of a chance. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about Dallas and, and San Diego. You talk about uh, drafting for a situation. I, I mean, everyone's trying to make sense of this Dallas running game. Uh, where do you go right now, Rank? I you got to wait and see, you know, because we got all excited about Gus Johnson, and he lasted about, what, three plays? He did. <laughs> like, yeah, Gus, I was so – well, first of all, I was upset because they they showed that game, yeah. Chargers and the Cowboys, okay. locally on the CBS station. And at uh, 8 o'clock, you're like, okay, this is fine and dandy. Let's let's bring out the big brother because it's, it's, <laughs> it's double eviction night. It was double eviction night, uh, and I had to wait till eleven thirty because they're showing us the second half. Like, I mean, really? I people don't want are, to... people are watching Big Brother still. Yeah, Adam Rankin. Really? Were people I actually know, really? I, I know plenty of people who are oh. watching the Big. Were Brother. people watching the fourth quarter? Of that um, <laughs> probably not. I was. I, I will say this: Melvin Gordon for San paid. Diego uh, didn't look great. Um, and I know. I know what people are going to say. <laughs> Adam Rank, go ahead. He's got his hand raised in the air. Wisconsin running backs, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Adam Rank and Marcus Grant just high-fived each other. Oh, God. Look, I, <laughs> Wisconsin running backs. I mean, really, though. Well, I, really, look, though? It's not, see, I, I, I watched it, He too, didn't and, look good. That's the trend. It's not even so much that that worries me about Melvin Gordon, even though you are correct. He did not look great. What worries me about Melvin Gordon, the combination of that offensive line in San Diego, which is something I know Adam Rank has mentioned before, and that that little guy, Danny Woodhead, who's still hanging around, especially in the red zone and at the goal line to, to steal some, that was, some targets. That was the worst part. Is snaps. Danny Woodhead actually got the goal line carry and scored. Well, not goal line. He scored from like seven yards out. Right. But uh, Gordon is still is still very talented. I think he's better than some of the recent run of Wisconsin running backs we've seen. But if you're his draft price is really high right now for a guy that – from everything that we're seeing and we heard, he struggled with pass protection at Wisconsin. He has not done well with it in camp. I just saw another article today saying he had a really bad day in pass protection. Danny Woodhead is a champ in pass protection. He is going to get all of the third down work. So basically, can a five-four running back really be a champ in? Would you pass stop? Hey, he's five-eight. It's not. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. <laughs> How tall is MJD? <laughs> he's yeah. he's like five-five. But and did you see what he did to yeah, Merriman? He yes. was good. So, anyways, yeah, was the point is, just keep in mind when you're drafting Melvin Gordon, you're basically getting a two-down running back, which is going, which is going to put a ce- it's going to put a lower ceiling on his fantasy potential than a lot of people would like to think after watching him run rampant over the Big Ten. Uh, I mean, not in, a powerhouse conference. In, well, well, hold on a second now, because uh, I mean, Melvin Gordon in the Big Ten, the Big Ten had maybe, quite possibly, the greatest core of running backs. Um, in college football history. I mean, really. I mean, you look at some of these guys that are coming out of here. Melvin Gordon, Amir Abdullah, Tevin Coleman. Uh, uh, we haven't even talked about uh, Ezekiel. Uh, 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 I'm dropping his uh, name right now. Uh, uh, Ezekiel State. Elliott. Yeah. Elliott from Ohio State. Right, exactly. Uh, David, Cobb. David Cobb. I mean, come on. This is the best 
uh, core of running backs maybe in college football history coming out of one conference. So It'll be two years. Think of all the sophomore running backs right now. Just unbelievable. All the great guys. Um, so, so Melvin Gordon, to me, I mean, when you watch him uh, at Wisconsin, man, he had a lot of moves. He, he had great bursts. He had good vision. He had good speed. And the thing I liked about him, too, is that he could uh, – I, I wouldn't say he was a pro at catching the ball out of the backfield. He's good at it. But he was good at it, though. The trouble um, is, all those things, he was very indecisive in this game. And it's just – He didn't look good. He, he looked he, bad. He stutter-stepped a lot before he got to the line of scrimmage, whereas when Gordon was at his best when he was able to read that line in Wisconsin and make yeah. one foot, one cut and phew, go. And just go. You know what goes in his favor, though? And this could work out for somebody if – let's say somebody does reach for Melvin Gordon. Gets – burned because he's not very productive at the beginning of the year. Uh-huh. But, you know, last year, Danny Woodhead had some injury problems. I would say so. Brandon Olivier had his moments where he was like, really? Is that not? <laughs> That's oh, not... it's Oliver. Sorry. Right, right. Was, <laughs> We're in America. Uh, right, okay. Um, he, he looked good for a couple of weeks, but then eventually, you know, it, it catches up to you after a while. Melvin Gordon can be one of these guys who starts slowly and then somebody in your league says, forget it, I'm dumping him. I would actually be the guy who picks him up. Like, I, I don't want to be the guy who drafts him in the fifth round, but I would happily be the guy who picks him up on the waiver wire in week four. He, His he draft could, stock has to be dropping right or, now, Or right? trade for him. He's the kind of guy like... Hey, here's, I, a, oh, there you go. Hey, here's a question. Who do you draft first, Melvin Gordon or Amir Abdullah? Abdullah. Come on. Dude. Abdullah. Uh, that's how it's look, going. Look what I was going to say. That's how it's going. Gordon could be a great buy low candidate in the season. I did that to somebody in one of our leagues who was souring on Eddie Lacy mm. early last season. Yes. I, I, flipped a, I flipped him some players for Eddie Lacy, and I rode Eddie Lacy almost all the way to the championship. In all legitimacy, was that me? No, it was not you. It was in our dynasty. That very good. I'm like, no, that sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's talk about another Big Ten running back in David Cobb, Tennessee versus Atlanta. Uh, actually, we'll talk about two uh, Big Ten running backs. Why not? David Cobb uh, for Tennessee, Tevin Coleman for Atlanta. Um, actually, I didn't get a chance to actually see this preseason game, uh, despite my man crush on, on Tevin Coleman. Well, he didn't was, play. He was still nursing his hammy. Well, right. so there you go. So David Cobb, uh, what do we make of his uh, his performance there? Well, I was, uh, I'll just jump on it because everybody knows I'm like – piloting the David Cobb bandwagon. At the yeah, sure. But um, oh, yeah. so here's the thing. He, he came in against the third string, third, second or third stringers, but he was the only one to like have real production. He's not the flashiest guy. He's not like a next level talent like Adrian right. Peterson, but he is a darn good running back. He can read the hole. He can hit it. And he finishes his runs. Right. I mean, not only does Bishop Sankey walk into the line of scrimmage, he gets walked backwards after somebody tackles him. <laughs> David Cobb hits guys, gets extra yards after contact. And he performed so well that even Ken Wisenhunt then, Remember we were hearing that they were going to do a running back by committee? Right. Wasn't Hunt, the day after that game, I was sitting on Saturday watching game film at home, and I see an article pop up that Ken Wisenhunt said, Hunt said, we're not married to the committee anymore. Right. The type of production you saw to David Cobb is what you'd hope a running game could do, and Ooh. Cobb's going to get more run with the starters. So I was sitting at my desk, like, just fist-pumping the air <laughs> that this is finally coming to fruition. It happened. I read the article, like, an hour after I tweeted that I hope Tennessee sees yeah. the potential, too. All right. So so I think Cobb is on the rise, and I, I still love him. So he's yeah. on the rise. Where does he go in fantasy drafts? He falls. I mean, oftentimes I'm, I'm sitting there and I've, you know, I'm when you're doing these mock drafts, you don't have the entire draft uh, sure. queue set up there. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh my gosh, like I got to, I got to remember that he's there. So I'm right. trying to pick him earlier and earlier. Again, like you were talking about talking, taking people in the ninth and the tenth round. Like after I have my starters. Then I don't care. Like if David Cobb's there in the seventh and all my starters are locked in, I don't care. Like yeah. it doesn't matter to me. Like at the end of the year, right? Last year, were you proud of yourself because you got C.J. Anderson in the seventh instead of the twelfth? Who cares? It's just that you <laughs> want him on your team. Yeah. And you know what? All it takes is one smart at or smart behind to just come out <laughs> and be 
<laughs> I don't know. There's a I, shadowy I, I league figure. It. Okay, got it. Go, just go. It just takes one person to say, you know what? Oh, yeah, I remember this guy talking about it. Yeah. Especially, like, if they're drafting near you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, because, like, in our, um, in our experts league – uh, Why do you be, use air quotes for that? <laughs> I, I was going to we got to point out that he used air quotes. I used air quotes. There's is, no is, such thing is as a Damashek in the league? Yeah, he is. There it is. Then that blows I mean, the whole thing. <laughs> we, have a, we have a Team America that's just an – by the way. I think that's going away. That, that may not be this, the case this year. Who's going to be drafted in that spot? It would be Alex Gelhar if, uh, if Team America – The Wiz. Yes. The Wiz. I will be are, so are you going to have to draft last then? Uh, allegedly, which whatever, I'll take that it. That is the worst. No, it's fine. I'll take it. It is the can, worst. I can rub and it in Gianno's you know, face. It's, it's, it's MJD's fault that he's doing that. Okay, so you know, actually, but that works out better. Okay, so the Wiz will be in this draft. Okay. Let's say he's drafting 10th. I would be drafting, I think, 6th or 7th, yeah. somewhere in that range. But it's cool because you know, like, now that we talk so much, like, I know that he likes a guy that right. I like. Yep. And you're like, okay, I – I could try to wait. I could try to play chicken. He's going to have, after I make a pick in like the seventh or eighth round, you're like, he's going to have two more selections before my pick comes back. Right. And I, it might be a reach and people might hoot and holler, <laughs> do whatever they got to do. But you know what? I'm going to draft him. And that's the one thing that drives, that drives me because like people don't make picks because they're afraid of people. Oh my God. I can't believe what you're doing. Like it, it happens. Yeah. It does happen. All right, but don't let that deter you. Uh, okay, so you, uh, look, I, I know you're saying you're excited about the Duke. What are we? What are we talking about? I'm trying to figure out draft. I'm trying to figure out a draft, no, no, no. A draft round value for the guy. David Cobb, seventh round. No. Okay, Marcus Grant. Wrong answer. Uh, Marcus Grant. What's your answer? Uh, look. First <laughs> off, if, if anybody ever heard the phrase you know, "downhill runner" and didn't quite know what it meant, watch yeah. David Cobb yeah. because Eight. he really is a downhill runner. Um, look, I mean, he may get a lot of touches and he may eventually, you know, become the, the, the bell cow there, but he still plays on a bad team that's right. likely to lose a lot of games and is likely to be trailing a lot. So, I mean, he's a guy that I'm still looking at no, no better than a fourth running back. So I'd say what round nine again for him, something like that. Better yeah. answer. Wiz, give me, give it to me. You're in that There's area. nobody higher on David Cobb than you. Uh, you like him in round nine I, as well? Well, when it com- when push comes to shove, I'll probably, I'll probably reach for him. I have in, in several drafts already, but I like to rank's point. It's a case of make sure if you have a guy you like, just get your guy. Like, yeah. Don't worry about the reaction. Get your guy because if you believe in them, you want them on your team, and nothing sucks more than watching a guy you thought was going to be a breakout. Right, be a breakout on somebody, somebody else's, else's team. team. Yeah, and here, let me. This is a real talk. This, no. I'm in a. I got a. I got a draft, mock draft up right now. Okay, it's in the eighth round. Okay, oh, no wait, I've picked eight players. Okay. Somebody really got. Here's the running backs you'll be choosing between. All right, David Cobb's available. You All could, right. Legarrette Blunt. Uh huh. Ivory. Okay. Doug Martin. Tevin Coleman. The Crow. Vereen. Devonta Freeman. Arian Foster. Bishop Shank. Sankey. Ryan Matthews, Trey Mason, Duke Johnson, David. Co- like, who do you, you're like, no, no, no. Only, you have to take this guy ahead of David There's Cobb. There's only one right. I would for sure take. Chris Ivory. Yes, exactly. You, you take Ivory. I take Ivory over I'll take, Cobb. I'll and- take Cobb. Ugh, God. What? Handshake agreement I wanna, right now. I want to know. <laughs> I won't draft. Listen, I won't draft there's Chris a, Ivory. Gilhar, I want to know. what did, did Chris Ivory get you a nice Christmas basket or something? I mean, did, what? Did he like I am just ba- light a bag of poo on fire on your <laughs> <laughs> like, why do you hate a guy that was a top twenty-five running back last year? He's Chris Ivory. Look at the. I mean, see, I, I'm so I'm so confused. I'm right. I'm, I'm so confused. You're a well, smart you're a smart gentleman. How are I you so high? Proven it, smart at the end of the year. It is you're, a number. How are you it so is high on Chris Ivory, but it is a number one running back. Oh, man, all right. I mean, I, I fear it because I just don't think it uh, that situation is going to be good because they're going to be behind a lot. 
but still, it's a it's a number I, I one think, running back. I think James, you are worried because Chris Ivory has the stink of the Jets on him. Probably he was a top twenty running back last year. <sighs> All right. All right. We move on. <laughs> All right, so just so the fantasy we'll people know, I, I am not high on Chris Ivory. I, I will not be drafting him uh, this Good, year. I'll take him. All right, good. All right, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about Carolina at Buffalo. Devin Funches very quickly. Uh, any takeaways from Devin Funches' performance? Uh, he's still a project. Yes. Get a nice catch on the sideline, though, but we got to see more. All right, uh, New York Giants versus Cincinnati. A lot to get excited about for Cincinnati. Um, we don't ever talk about a lot of tight ends, but I do want to talk about Tyler Eifert Please. Uh, for just a second here. He is starting to look pretty good, I, I would say. Uh, we know that he's got the talent, um, but will the opportunities be there? Uh, Marcus, can I get a, a stat projection and a round projection uh, regarding uh, Tyler Eifert? Uh, I think round-wise, you're looking at Eifert probably... Double digits. Um... I guess I feel like maybe because I, I got caught up in what happened uh, over the weekend. I'm watching him. I don't know. I was gonna say like round eight. Whoa. Maybe that maybe that's a reach. I don't know. But he looked he looked good. That Bengals offense looked good. Um, I, I would say stat wise, you're probably looking at you know somewhere between six and seven hundred yards, maybe right. four or five touchdowns, something like that. But which doesn't sound like a lot but when you consider the state of tight end. Right. It's not bad. I, and, and the other thing I like about him, too, is the fact that I, I don't know if he's going to give you a lot of zeros on, on a week-to-week basis, which is kind of what we're expecting from a lot of tight ends. Um, and, and not and because the tight end situation in fantasy this year is so up and down, um, to put it nicely, uh, a guy who's kind of given you anywhere between you know 4 to 12 points a week and is consistently given you that, I'll take it. Four points a what would you do if you if somebody could come up to you right now and yeah. say, "We will give you a tight end who will give you four points every week, guaranteed, in exchange for I tell one you what, stomach punch." <laughs> <laughs> would you take? Hey, it? listen, I said between four and twelve. It's it's better than a lot of zeros that we're I know. But let's say you get that position. you get the automatic four every week. Hey, I, MJD it, gets to punch you in the stomach oh, every God, week. Hell no. Uh, by the way. Uh, okay, what if it was Dan Helly? I, I tell you what, uh, if you had, why if you had anybody to punch him in the stomach, I don't, I don't know. know. I'm I don't just know. Why are we talking about stomach punches? Uh, by the way, if you had Vernon Davis, you'd take that in a heartbeat, though. Last year, Vernon Davis last year, yes. you, you would have you four points bagels. a week. I would take that all week. Yeah, that you big week bagels. one against the Cowboys, and that was it. <laughs> that, that was the last thing he did. Literally, it was right. so many I think bagels. he had four points the rest of the season. Uh, oh, it's not mistake. But it there was, was like a lot of guys points. like that. It was like Einstein bagels. Okay, I like. Uh, look, the thing he's gonna that offense is uh, he was targeted three times in his one quarter of work in 2014 before he went down with an injury. It seemed like Hugh Jackson wanted to use him a lot. I think that's going to be the case again this year. He's going to thrive in the intermediate area of the field, and with like we said, the crapshoot at running back or at tight end. Uh, I'm with Marcus. I'm going to take him a lot higher than people expect. Uh, if you so you said four to twelve points, you put it in the middle, eight points, uh, eight points a week. Say on average, he gets you. He would have been the seventh highest scoring tight end. But that's what I'm saying. I, yeah. I mean, look, like Let's I said, for eight points. <laughs> but you what? All right, no, we don't need any more stomach punching. <laughs> no, we're we got to... more games to get to, and we're running out of time. We're here. moving to slaps. No, we are not moving to slaps. We're moving to Pittsburgh, taking on Jacksonville. We're going to where? Duval. 
Well, slightly delayed. I'm disappointed in you. Um, let's talk about the the running back situation there. Um, I forced you to spend a good amount of money. You didn't. In our, no, you didn't. In our supplemental draft you had nothing. on okay, T.J. I, Yeldon. You like to uh, pretend that you did? No, I did. Will Leach uh, was in that bidding. Uh, he was, and then he stopped, and then Will I kept Leach, going. Nope, Will Leach spent. And no, then no, no. Okay, you kept going. You're not correct. Uh, yes, I am. Will Leach <laughs> bid 49 bucks, and I said, I'm going to go 50 <laughs> That's not what happened, though. That's exactly what happened. How much happened. did you spend on, on, on T.J. Yeldon? 50 because okay, Will Leach bid $49. Okay, well, either way. You know, at first, I was a, I was a touch morose. Right. But when all those other running backs were going for 64 bucks, I'm like, oh, I think I got a little bit of a bargain. Um, it, I have a guy who's got, okay, he's going to be better. I, I feel will be better than Melvin Gordon. Okay. Uh, he might not be up to Amir Abdullah's standards. Right. And that was the only thing is like, because I didn't understand the way that this thing was breaking uh-huh. down, like oh, there yeah. weren't a lot of gr- like great instructions. It was just there got a hundred dollars and the auction starts box, now. And it was like, and there, and the only other marquee running back below him was Amir Abdullah. And it's like, all right, well, if you miss out on T.J. Yeldon and you miss out on Amir Abdullah, then I'm starting Arian Foster in week one. So <laughs> I did not want. So I'm like, I'm gonna have to I'll, spend some money. I'll trade you Alfred Blue, dude. Give me Freddie Blue. I'll give you anybody <laughs> off my baseball team. <laughs> um. All right, so he, here's my question here. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. Is TJ Yeldon a, a clear-cut starting guy? I mean, Shoelace was okay, you know. Even Toby. Toby Carhart was, was lurking somewhere. Is this don't, a – Don't shake your head. Toby looked good no? in that game. In no, that it, game. We had a full he, season. He looked good last year before his we high ankle had, sprain. Ooh, the dreaded high ankle Took him down. We, he was – Okay. No. There's, a reason, <laughs> there's a reason why they spent a second-round draft. All right, all right, all right. Rank, where are you taking T.J. Yeldon? What round? Um, well, you know what? In that fifth, that fourth to fifth round range, that's where you have your, your choice between Todd Gurley, okay. Amir Abdullah, and T.J. Yeldon. What do you think? Honest, uh, 1,100 yards and, and seven touchdowns? Is I, think that that's, I think that's uh, a little bit more. That's uh, underselling him a little bit. But yeah. it's, wow. you know what? I like the other guys. I like Todd. I, I feel that Todd Gurley's points per game – at the end of the season is going to be the thing that makes him yeah, so the bad. number one running back that you're going to want to have on your team. All right, so Gelhar, what do you take uh, T.J. Yeldon? Uh, I'd take him in the David Cobb range, to be honest. I'm scared of that being a real committee there with, like, Shoelace getting a lot of work on passing downs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marcus and I weren't, like, in love with Yeldon coming out of college. and uh, I think he's a little stiff. He, he is a little stiff. very upright. Uh, so I, I think he, he might be coming. He might also be a, a, like a two down back. And I don't, I don't know. I, I just have reservations. I'd rather let him be Adam Rank's problem than draft him. I would agree with that 100%. All right, Denver at Seattle, Ronnie Hillman, Monty Ball. Anybody going to push C.J. Anderson uh, for that spot? And, and the reason we ask this question, because, look, I know C.J. Anderson looked amazing last year uh, to close out the season, um, and, and plus hashtag Cal running back. But uh, the – Really, when as long as Peyton has been in Denver, the the running back situation has been just an absolute disaster. Have they actually found a foundational piece in C.J. Anderson? That's the question I posed to Marcus Grant. I think they have. I think I think he's the guy there. I think you know, when you see Monte Ball and Ronnie Hillman on the field, I guess to an extent, you know, like somebody like Jawan Thompson or something like that. Um, 
yeah, I, mean, I think those guys are competing for that number two spot on the roster. But I think, I think in terms of C.J. Anderson, he's got that thing locked up. He is going to be the guy, and he really can be a three-down back for them. I don't think you have to worry so much about C.J. Anderson coming off the field except for you know the occasional rest. Um, we're going to move on quickly. Sorry, I know Rank was uh, itching to get in there. He loves himself Dude. some C.J. Anderson. But um, St. Louis at Oakland. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the, the wide receivers and, and uh, tight end positions here uh, for both of those teams. But um, but I do want to hit on Latavius Murray, really, though. Uh, there's There seems to be a growing gulf uh, between expectations here for, for Latavius Murray. You're not going to find anyone higher on Latavius Murray than myself. I will gladly take him at the end of the third round. I know that sounds a little bit high. Um, but to me, he's just so explosive and in a pretty good offense. Um, I'll invest. Uh, and, and it's because I'm taking you know wide receiver and quarterback so early. I, I need to get a guy who can be a home run hitter for me. Uh, I love Latavius Murray early. But we're starting to see a lot of folks sour on Latavius Murray a little bit. Uh, Gilhart, can you maybe fill us in on, on a little bit of that? I think the fear for him, too, is that with them getting Roy Hallou Jr., it's the case of having a two-down running back on a bad team again. And that I'm, I'm a little less worried for seeing him again. He looked great in the right. preseason, showing vision, burst, and things like that. But, man, I don't know. In that range, like, I'd rather have a, a Frank. Like, right now he's going uh, is the running back 23, uh, right behind Jonathan Stewart, Frank Gore, and Carlos Hyde. I'm a little worried about Hyde, too. I'd rather have Gore or Stewart than those guys or even Abdullah after him. I personally. feel like it's a course correction, though, because like, Latavius Murray, like the hype train for him started at the end of last season. Sure. We were really pushing Oh, my god! And so that boosted him way up. And now I think, you know, it's more of a course correction. That's okay. why people are down on him. It's just that he's coming back and settling in closer to where he should be. And I think, I think another part of it, too, is that other rookie running backs are starting to emerge and taking some of the luster off of a guy like Latavius Murray. I mean, we talk about Amir Abdullah. If you're in the fourth round now, I, I mean, this is a, I think this is going to be a legit question. You're in the fourth round, you're looking at Latavius Murray, or you're looking at Amir Abdullah. Adam Rank, where do you go? Amir Abdullah. Boom. Not even, I mean, everybody's really excited about Laddie Murray, but it was what? Two runs. It was two runs against the chart or against the Chiefs. Yep. And everybody's like, this guy is amazing. And you know what? He had some other games at the end of the season, didn't crack 100 yards again, barely averaged more than four yards per attempt in one of the final four games. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to be concerned about. He's a, he was a a first-year guy, wasn't a true – I don't know. It, it it seems like a nice story, and I think everybody in, in their haste to draft a running back or trying to push this guy as something more than he's not. Uh, the reason I think folks are so excited about you talk about those runs against the Chiefs. I get it, <clears throat> but it uh, to me it's not a fluke. Only because you look at the physical attributes of the guy, and you look at him on the field, man. He runs angry. He runs hard, and he's just got something else. He's got another gear that a lot of running backs don't have. Um, when I look at that, you look at – I won't give you all the 40 times and all that, but look, he can run very, very fast, okay? So he, he's a big back, he's a big body, and he's super fast. I don't know, man. There's a lot to like physically about the guy, and, and I'll start there. Um, and that's kind of why I'm so high on him. Like I said, if I'm at the end of my draft and I'm at the end of the third round, I know i got to wait a million picks before me again. And as you say, hey, take the guy you like. And if I'm at the end of the third round, I'll just I'll do it. I'll, I'll just invest in the guy because, you know, I really believe uh, not only in him but also in that offense as well, especially uh, now that they've got Amari Cooper. I just can't see them stacking the box. If he's looking at a, a regularly loaded box uh, – I can see him 
picking up four and a half, five, six yards of carry, and having home run potential as well. That's going what I back, You know, and going back, uh, looking at the numbers against the Bills, 23 attempts, 86 yards, 3.7 yards per carry. But that's against the Bills. That's a pretty good defense. Very good. That, that, might, be, that might be more impressive than what he did against the Chiefs. Hmm, all right. So I'll take it. Hang that in your hand. I'm, I'm still not taking them. <laughs> <laughs> Tampa Bay wanna... at Minnesota. Um, I, again, I love talking about Kyle Rudolph. I was not a believer last year. I know Norv. It's been beaten into my head that Norv Turner's offenses uh, churn out uh, Top-flight really, tight, really tight end. friendly. I, <laughs> this might be the Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard uh, storyline, <laughs> is that Norv Turner's offenses churn out uh, high-quality tight end play. We didn't see it last year. Uh, I know that Kyle Rudolph got hurt, but I'm saying even his replacements, it's not like you saw great tight end production uh, last year. Alex, what's your takeaway here from Kyle Rudolph uh, playing in Minnesota? And, and I know he's going to be a, a, a very interesting sleeper pick. Um He's got the big body, and he, and he looked pretty good in the preseason as well. I mean, we got to remember that it was just a couple years ago that he was like a top-five tight end. He has all the physical attributes you like, and I think it's just encouraging to see Teddy Bridgewater in Norv's offense targeting him a bunch early. I think, like you said, he's still mostly just a later-round sleeper, but if you don't take Gronk early, uh, he's one of those guys, along with Eifert, that you can grab late and probably get pretty good production. Where are you from. taking him? 12 or later? Yeah, 12. 12 or later? Sounds good. All right. Mark Scrant? Uh, Kyle Rudolph, yeah, probably probably. Yeah, ten or twelve, somewhere around there. But can we talk about Doug Martin and Please. how I was like doing a happy dance, just kind of watching him? Like I've been hearing for the last couple of weeks how he looks so much better and how how he has this burst, and he showed it on Saturday. He looked he looked good, I and mean, especially when Jameis looked so bad. But right. the first what four or five plays the Bucks ran were yeah. all runs, and, and I think he picked up four or five yards every he, single. He run. had some really good runs. Like he looked really really good. Um, the thing I liked about Doug Martin, the way he looked too, is is his lateral movement seemed to be coming back. Yeah, he lost some weight, and he's supposedly the quickest he's been since his rookie year, which helped him a little bit. So. You got to get – I mean, because with that offensive line, they need – I mean, obviously they need a lot of help on that O-line. But with that line, because it's such a project, if you don't have lateral movement, you can't necessarily be a north-south guy when there's no holes. You, you, you're going to have to create for yourself just a little bit. And we saw some of that creativity uh, with the muscle hand through in that preseason game. And I think you're right. I, I don't know. I, I think he's – I don't know if I'm going to take him in the top three rounds, but I tell you what, if you're taking a – if you want to put a stake on him in the fourth or fifth, I wouldn't be I – wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a crazy pick. I wouldn't say it's a crazy pick. All right, um, let's talk about San Francisco at Houston. I mean, we got to – how about Jared Hain? Yeah. Can somebody give me a scouting report on this guy, man? Holy cow, yeah. I know he's a, 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 a some a high-level rugby player, but that run that he had – The description I heard, by the way, was the Michael – Unbelievable. was the Michael Jordan of rugby. Oh, hello. So. Okay, I like it. Jared Hain for San Francisco. It's got to get Carlos Hyde owners a little bit worried, no? Uh. I don't know. He had he had one run through a gaping hole. He's I mean, you always talk about other guys that have upright running styles. You want to see an upright yeah. runner? It's yep. Jared Hain. Yeah, he's he got is. that rugby style. He's he's just somebody it's fun to talk about right now is like, you know, just a fun name and a fun story. He should make the team, but he's not going to threaten Carlos Hyde. The other guys on the roster like Kendall Hunter and Reggie Bush are going to do that. Marcus, I know you follow this team very closely. Yeah, I'm not I mean, I'm not drafting it. He's <laughs> <laughs> a nice story. It was fun to watch him have some success, but I'm not <laughs> I'm not. I'm not drafting him. And it, no one, no one likes him that, at all. I mean, Adam Rank. Wait, no. Okay, he's shaking. Come on. They, you right. know what? Though again, this goes back um, when you're talking about Carlos Hyde is yeah. somebody who I was really excited about last year. Sure. 
but never really got his opportunity. And going into the season, you're thinking, okay, well, this is going to be a great chance for him. Unfortunately, I expect this team to be historically bad, like the 49ers. Wow, historically known. bad. Like the, like the 49ers we knew and love like not so many years this, ago. This is like some of your Ram bias coming No, this here. isn't Ram bias. Like most kids – what are you saying here? Like a win, one win, two wins, one, less. One to two wins. One to two wins. Is- wow. Okay. Let's let's wow. calm down. They don't know what they're doing. They, they have don't? no idea. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So all right. So Carlos Hyde. They got another, another guy got suspended. I, I can't even keep up with the, the amount of people. <laughs> the losses that they've acquired. Right, it's yeah. crazy. Um. So There's Carlos no Hyde. direction. Like Jim Harbaugh, who I think a lot of people would consider bat crap crazy. He was the sane one, <laughs> keeping it all together. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I, I think you might be right. I, I, I know I've soured on Carlos Hyde. Yeah, um, well, I, he's still a, a great. He's got upside, but I think at his asking price, which is in that like. Oh, I'd love him on the Cowboys. Or, yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, right. I'd love Kyrie Robinson on the, the Cowboys way, too if it, they wanted to pick up the phone. But. It's it's a Tuesday, so that means we have some breaking uh, fantasy related news great, oh, oh, coming now. in here. Uh, it is coming through on my Twitter timeline. Okay. What do you got? LaShawn McCoy has left the field. Clearly, the tweet here, LaShawn McCoy clearly holding his hamstring as he heads to the locker room. Non-contact injury during seven oh, on no. sevens. So, Non-contact hammy. So he Not was good. down apparently on the Not field. Good. He has been helped off. He's holding his hamstring. Obviously, we don't know what it is, but, I mean, Arian Foster's out. We we have a dearth of, of workhorse running back. Yeah. The potential – of LaShawn McCoy being hurt for a while is not a good thing. Oh, man. Rex Ryan was talking about this guy possibly being a 1,000-yard receiver and a 1,000-yard rusher. Obviously, you got to stay on the field um, for that. I was – I poo-pooed the, uh, the trade immediately when it happened. I said, look, LaShawn, this absolutely destroys uh, his fantasy value. In my mind, only because Rex Ryan I, – I, look, I get it, the ground-and-pound style, but LaShawn McCoy doesn't fit that offense. He, he's just not that guy. Um, I think he's a very dynamic dude. Rex Ryan's offenses have always been very simple uh, and not very creative. Um, but you've got to be a grinder and, and a guy who's a tough workhorse dude to really excel uh, in that offense. I just didn't see LaShawn McCoy being that guy. I love LaShawn McCoy. I love me some LaShawn McCoy. I just think he's a good player, bad fit. Um, and then you hear about this injury. He'll move down a couple notches. Uh, in my book, sure. uh, yet again, still obviously, he's he's still obviously a first round pick. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Come on, dude. No, I was just, just going to say he's starting to slip down to the third round. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't take him in the first. Who would draft him? You're in not the second. You're, you're not taking. The oh, I'm sure plenty of people would. T- you would, would at take least, him, depending on what this injury is. That's true. It, it really depends. Um, can we talk? Spend a little bit of time talking about other formats here. Um, I, I know, I know. We just you know normally talk about you know standard drafts or whatever it might be, but I do want to spend a little bit of time talking about PPR and, and possibly IDP as well. Uh, PPR for those uh, newbies who are listening to this pod. If you're a newbie, you're probably not listening to this, but it's fine. Uh, PPR is points per reception, uh, and you can do anything—a uh, quarter point, a full point, seventeen points. It doesn't matter, but uh, a point per reception. It kind of levels the playing field a little bit uh, between. Uh, skill position players and quarterbacks and, and that's really what it's intended to do um, in in a scenario like this running backs who catch oh my gosh they they move up uh, considerably and I know Matt Forte in a lot of PPR leagues last year was going number one overall uh, again and again and again and, and it's a system that also behooves a guy like Jamal Charles as well 
uh, Alex, in a PPR league, uh, you know, give the the drafters out there some guys that they should keep their eye on. Uh, well, you also don't want to discount a lot of guys. Well, poo poo names like Julian Edelman or Jarvis Landry or things like that. Standard great league, call. Those guys are studs yeah. in uh, in PPR leagues because of their their high volume of targets and receptions they're going to get. And like you said, the pass catching running backs, guys like Danny Woodhead. I talk about him being you know like a top twenty five running back and standard a couple years ago when he was healthy. He's like a top 15, top 16 running back in PPR leagues. It's now, the but, only format I'll draft C.J. Spiller. Yeah. <laughs> those, those guys are great. So you want to, if you can get one of the elite pass catching running backs still, it's fine. It's good to do that in round one. I mean, even guys like Eddie Lacy catch 40, 50 balls a year. Right. But after that, load up on wide receivers. Uh, Marcus Grant, uh, any, any advice for the drafters out there of PPR leagues? Uh, you know, I think at the top of the draft, it's going to look a lot like it does at the top of your standard league draft. I mean, I think what Alex said has a lot of validity to it, that you are going to look at guys like Le'Veon Bell, Adrian Peterson, Jamal Charles, because they do catch so many passes. This is one where you don't have to worry about any sort of public scorn or shame when you decide to take uh, Antonio Brown as the number five pick. I mean, Great it's call. it's a legal, it's a situation where Rob Gronkowski is easily a first rounder yeah, because of, of, you know, not only his production, just in, even from a standard perspective, but the fact that he gets so many targets and so many catches. And he's just so far above and beyond uh, the rest of the field. I think even now that Jimmy Graham's gone to Seattle, uh, you know, Gronk has really uh, become uh, the guy at the tight end position. All right, let's talk very quickly about IDP. This is uh, independent defensive player. Individual. Individual defensive. Look, I've been playing. I, I told uh, Gelhar and I got into a little argument about whether or not we should talk about IDP because I've been playing fantasy football more than 15 years. I can't remember how long, but about 15 or 16 years. I've played in, gosh, I don't know, 50 leagues. Mm-hmm. I've never played an IDP. Really? You've never played an IDP? I've never, I was and, surprised. And I've, never, and I've never even uh, met a manager who or a commissioner who wanted to play in an IDP league because it's so – it is so random hey, whether look, or not these guys – Props to Navarro Bowman because a couple years ago he won me an IDP league. That last <laughs> game at Candlestick Park, he had the pick six. Actually, technically, I won the league – on the interception by itself, the fact that he ran it all the way back for a touchdown was just I crazy. love it. You do get points, uh, depending on, on your setup, you get points for, for tackles and interceptions yeah. and, and returns and sacks and all of that. Uh, Gelhar, uh, fill, fill the folks in on well, IDP. The, the reason some people do like it is because it adds an extra element of strategy and, uh, you know, theory to, to your draft because you have to figure out when do I start taking my linebackers right. and safeties and defensive linemen. Obviously, J.J. Watt at the very top of the list well, here on, J- on most IDP leagues. Normally, defensive linemen are like the worst position in uh, IDP leagues. So they just don't get the tackle numbers and sacks are hard to predict and right. are, don't net as much as a guy that's going to get 150 tackles, but J.J. Watt is the lone exception. He right. is insane. He's like led IDP scores, I think, the last two years, and you can reach for him. But uh, When general- you say reach, what does that mean? Uh, I haven't done an IDP draft in a while, so I don't know where he's going. Okay. Uh, I tapped out him because, like you, I didn't like the randomness. But for those that want to get more into it and have even more football analysis and discussion, IDP can be fun. All right, there you go. Uh, I, I, very quickly, can we talk about best ball? This is a new, it's pretty uh, new. A, a new fantasy format. I, 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 the fantasy hipsters love best ball. I mean, absolutely love best ball. But it is starting to emerge as a more popular option. It's less. I, I want to say it's less stressful on a week-to-week basis. But basically, oh, uh, best ball basically just the 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 system takes your highest scoring players uh, whether they're quote unquote a starter or on the bench they just look at your entire roster there is no bench it's just whoever scores the most points uh, that's your roster 
for the week. Yep. And then at the end of the year, whoever's the most points wins. So you have a bigger roster. Uh, one of the best places to do this is myfantasyleague.com. That's if you see people talking about MFLs or M- things like that, that's where they're doing it. But you do a 20-round draft. Uh, the key is you want to get running backs early, um, especially because it's a volatile position and you want things like that, even more so than Fabiano Trump's for standard leagues. Get, and, and it's because you can't pick guys up. You off can't the, pick right. guys up off the waiver wire. Yeah. Right. So for injuries, for being a volatile position, get them early, wait on quarterbacks. It is fun though, because you, you spend a lot of time doing the draft, but then you, you basically just set it and forget it. And you can check in each week to see how your team did. If your team gets completely injured, it's going to be frustrating as hell, but it's fun to go. All right, let's do daily daps for the week. Shall we? The Daily Daps coming in hot this week. A little bit. I had switched the board around, and when I put it back in, it came at full volume <laughs> I hadn't realized, so I had to quickly try and adjust. Which, um, hey, no, home. don't apologize, because I tell you what, uh, it's it's the hot segment. Daily Daps, let's talk about it. Where it's, uh, if you want to hit us on uh, on Twitter, uh, by all means, uh, I'm taking uh, Twitter suggestions on Daily Daps, basically, who are you giving props to for the week, for the day, whatever it might be. Uh, Alex Gelhar, we'll start with you. Uh, mine was I was at a friend's birthday party this past weekend, and his girlfriend surprised him with a puppy party. What does that mean? For the first uh, hour or two that it was there, somebody literally brings a – there were like eight or ten puppies, like actual puppies, Jack Russell Terriers, Yorkies. Other I'm getting like that. very uncomfortable. No, no, no. And they, they set <laughs> up – you're a, from the Midwest, I don't want to know how this ends. They set up a little – <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? I'm a dog lover. They set up a little fence, and you can just sit in there and hang out with the puppies, and they'll wow. come on your lap, and you can pet them and play the toys with them, and it's just adorable. And it was—I didn't even know it existed until it was happening. Who cleans the poo? Uh, the lady cleans the poo. Okay. Who brings the dogs, but that's it was—it was pretty cool. So if you have somebody that's a huge dog lover and their birthday puppy party, consider a puppy party. Okay, I like it. Marcus Grant. Uh, mine goes out to Marco Rubio, and this is not about the campaign or anything like that. But I don't <laughs> know if you've seen the video floating around on the internet today. Uh, you know how politicians go out and they try to connect with regular people and do regular people things. So Marco Rubio decides he's going to toss a pass to a young child. Okay. Um, let's just say that the pass was not completed. And <laughs> I feel like Marco Rubio has taken a lot of unfair heat in this situation. Okay. It was a good throw. It, it, it was a catchable <laughs> was ball. Solid throw. <laughs> it was a catchable ball, and this child has, you know, just whiffed on it, and it bounces off his head and the pass lands incomplete. The kid stumbles and falls forward. But I feel like Marco Rubio is taking some unfair heat on this because he made a good throw. On top of it, it's been a really, it's been a great excuse for everybody to go dig out the old SNL United Way Peyton Manning yeah. uh, <laughs> spoof again. Like he could have led like, his receiver though. Maybe a little bit more, but it's a, it's a catchable ball. He's got to make that like play. Somebody, <laughs> kid's got to make the play. Somebody's presidential campaign rides on that. <laughs> oh. How you feel about Iran and that? All right. How you throw a ball to a child. Uh huh. I like it. Perfect. Adam Rank, Daily Daps. You know, uh, I got a couple. Please. I want to first off to the uh, young man who is at Raw in Minnesota on Monday night. Okay. He was wearing a Vikings jersey, number 69. All right. And I tweeted and I said, hey, wait. I go, is that guy wearing a Jared Allen jersey? All right. Or, or that was also the number that Brock Lesnar wore during Hello. his brief stint with the Minnesota Vikings. I don't know if somebody had talked to him or tweeted him or told him or whatever. By the end of the night, he had turned the jersey around so he could see the nameplate. Wow. It was a Brock Lesnar jersey. That's props. That's props. That's um, Daily Daps. I don't want to give Daily Daps. I take Daps away from RG3, who said he's the best quarterback. Okay. I don't like take negative Daps. Right. I don't. I don't like that. By the way, I don't. I feel like when somebody asks you, like, are you the best quarterback? He should say no. 
Because he's not, and he should know. Like, if somebody comes up to me like, are you the best comedian? I'm like, no. Bill Burr is funnier than me. Louis C.K. is fun. I'm 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 happy to acknowledge that there's right. people in my industry who are better than me. I agree. So I don't think it's wrong for a quarterback to do it. But my daily daps go to anybody who is not a sub tweeter because sub tweeters <laughs> are the stinking worst. And I'll tell you what, Mike Rodak just tweeted out a photo of LaShawn McCoy walking to the locker room with a heavy limp. You know what I did? I retweeted it. Uh That's all I did. I added nothing to it. But there's people. I'm not going to call anybody out, but let's just say one of these guys, his name rhymes with Ian Rappaport, (laughs) has to put, oh, no. So he gets a bunch of retweets and his ego gets stroked and all that. No, just retweet the kids. What's this what? kid? Mike, also, how many? Let's see. Not, hold on. Buddy, subtweeting. Mike, subtweeting is when you tweet yeah. at somebody. I was, and like, you're, I was like, you, you seem like, it's, it's not like you were subtweeting yeah. somebody about subtweeting. Subtweeting would be like. you tweeting. I can't believe Ian Rappaport, no at rap sheet, does this. No, no, no. no. It's the that's people. Sub, that's subtweeting. No, it's, it's taking the, it's when you use that quote function for your own. No, because you're still getting the retweets in your sideline. That's <laughs> he's got 45,000 followers. You don't think that he would get a little bit of a charge that 500 people are going to be retweeting his photo that you got to step in and be like, nope, I can't give him the glory. I got to step in and take it all. This is I what, don't like that. By the way, this is this is the the crazy talk that uh, that we are subjected to on a daily basis sitting next to Adam Rank. The crazy talk. But I'm, I will say, I'm with Rank, though. Don't quote it unless you actually have something to add. Like, that's that's relevant, not an oh, no. Why can't you, wow, why can't you, I'll just, tell you this. Why can't you just reply and just say, oh, no? I mean, and then exactly. that part would get... Just just retweet the kid's tweet. Like, that's all. Like, that's he's a hardworking kid for uh, for up there living in Buffalo. I can't believe we're having a meta conversation. No, and it's... You know what? Is, but, but here's the thing, though, is that there's a lot of NFL media personalities who are very guilty of this. Okay. Who are very... And again... I feel like I'm guilty of this. No. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to go back on my like, timeline. Like a simple retweet. Like, let's give somebody yeah. some glory. And, it, you know, and it goes both ways. Like, I don't have a huge Twitter following. But if I'm doing the at midnight thing and I see somebody who's very exceptional, I just want to retweet them, give him a little bit of him or her a little bit of exposure, let him have some fun. We're gonna, it. we're yeah. gonna. Uh, quick question for you though, because if, if you, you hit the reply on the tweet though, that's fine. You no, know, but it quotes the tweet and it puts it, it puts it underneath your no, response. Only if you do no, no, the quote. If you no. Only if you do the quote. Yeah. No, because when you hit quote. retweet, it you can hit. Do you want to retweet or do you want to quote tweet? Right. And quote tree people go like, blah, blah, blah. Right. I'm adding nothing, but I'm just taking your hard work. That's basically <laughs> what it, it's going up. And it's saying like, you know what? I heard Bill Burr tell a funny joke. You're still trying to catch the glory of the Bill Burr joke, even though you're guising it under the, hey, I'm giving him credit. Like it's not like as normal people be like, have you heard Bill Burr's or have you heard Jim Jeffries view on gun control? Go watch it on YouTube. You trying to recreate it is awful because you're not going to be as funny. So you I think we have to table tried. this for a Twitter ethics podcast. What is going up. on right now? late right now. I can't believe is we're this? talking about subtweet. Okay. Right, Look, my daily, da- <laughs> my daily daps uh, goes out to all the local journalists out there. I was uh, going through um, – well, over the weekend, I got uh, invited to be a speaker, a panelist at the Asian American Journalists Association. Congrats. Uh, conference up in san francisco it was a big honor that's for me. awesome first time i got invited to do that so it was great um and i met a lot of great local news folks that's how i came up uh for those um folks wondering and it's a it's a road that a lot of network uh anchors and reporters also follow as well you do the local thing and then you get the network thing which is great um but uh 
I, I really got a lot of local stuff finding that stuff for that new news open that we did. And we find, I mean, there are some funny, funny news moments out there. Antoine Dodson comes to mind. Uh, the guy who, uh, Charles something or other, the guy who found the kidnapped girl in, uh, in Ohio. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Uh, but, yeah, man, my daily daps goes out to all those hardworking uh, local news journalists because I tell you, it's a hard business. It's a tough business out there. So, daily daps all the local news uh, folks out there. And if they do Keep something grinding. awesome on Twitter, just retweet them. Uh, quote and subtweet as much as possible uh, <laughs> to the folks out there. All right, for Alex Kellar, the controversial Adam Rank. What? And Marcus Grant, MG franchise behind the glass as well. I'm James Cole. You've been listening to the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. We're out. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.